Would you go with me to scripture this morning that we looked at last night in John, gospel account of John, the third chapter, and first John, first epistle of John, the fourth chapter, John three, and first John four. We're believing the Lord for utterance, believing the Lord to get good things. John 3, 16. Anybody got John 3, 16 marked in your Bible? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son. He could have given planets. He could have given solar systems. He could have given stars. And that would have been so much less to him than what he gave. What did he give? He could give no greater than what he gave. And why did he give Jesus? Why? Not just because we needed it. Not just because we'd perish without it. Those were involved, but the motivation was not just need. The motivation was love. He did it because he saw us in our need and he loved us. And he was willing to give anything to save us. And he wasn't just willing, he did it. Somebody say he did it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And all you got to do is believe on him. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, I had a fellow helping me one time uh, working and he was just doing some contract stuff for us. And he, uh, he had some habits. And uh, he was embarrassed about them. And he was traveling with me somewhere. And he's kind of looking sheepish about it. And I just looked at him in the elevator. We were going back to the room. I said, nobody's in hell for doing that. Doing that habit. He looked at me in shock. I said, nobody's in hell for lying or stealing or adultery. Or murder. He looked at me in shock. I said all those sins have been paid for. Is that true or not? That's why Jesus went to the cross. Why do people go to hell? Because they refuse. To believe on Jesus. And receive him. That's the reason. That's it. Because any, no matter what atrocity, no matter what terrible thing a person may have done, Jesus has already carried it and paid the price for it on the cross and has already risen triumphant over sin, death, hell, the grave. There is no sin problem. Jesus has taken care of the sin problem. There's a faith issue. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whoever would believe on him would not perish. He loved you. He loved the whole world. He loves the whole world. He didn't want anybody to perish. It's not his will that any should perish. But have everlasting life. Next verse, verse 17. What does it say? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Now let's just stop right there. Why did he give his son? Because he loved us. Well, it wouldn't be love to just condemn us. Right? He didn't want us condemned. We all, we stood condemned. That's where we were. He wanted us out of the condemnation, out of the shame. Condemnation is guilt, guiltiness. Guiltiness and deserving punishment and judgment. We've been delivered from the judgment of hell and eternally lost. We've been delivered from the guilt and the shame of sin. We're not supposed to go around embarrassed and ashamed of our failures and mistakes. Either the blood has cleansed us or it hasn't. And if we're clean... We're clean. Come on now. Every one of us in here, every one of us in here has missed it, has sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us in here has done things, said things, done things, been things that we wouldn't want to stand up here and let everybody see and know it. Every one of us. I've made mistakes, but I tell you this, you can't shame me about my past or about any mistake that I've ever made. Are you with me? You can't say, well, Keith, you did this. Or Keith, we found out you did this when you were 13 or 15 or, or 18 or whatever. You said this or you did this when you were 20. Well, if you found out, I'm not proud of it, but you can't make me feel guilty and ashamed. I said, you can't make me feel guilty and ashamed because first of all, I'm born again. All things have passed away and all things have become new. But not only that, since I've been born again, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And if you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If you're clean, you're clean. And it is written that my sins and my iniquities, he will remember no more. He sees me clean by the blood. He doesn't even remember that I said it and I did it. So why should I be ashamed? Why? I mean, if I can stand up in the presence of God without being ashamed, I ought to be able to stand up in front of you. And it's not because I'm something special. It's because of the blood of the Lamb. The blood has washed me, cleansed me, made me right, made me accepted in His sight, made me clean. Somebody say, I'm clean. I'm clean by the blood. So don't go around hanging your head down. Don't go around looking back, 
Feeling so bad about what you said, what you did, what happened, what, no, no. Did you repent? Did you confess it? Did you receive your forgiveness and your cleansing? You either clean or you not. You either forgiven or you not. And he did this for us because he didn't want to see us continuing throughout our life in guiltiness and embarrassment and shame. And dreading and in fear of judgment and punishment. When you love somebody, anybody in here got children? Huh? Grandchildren? You want your kids going through life with their head hung down? Ashamed of their self? Ashamed of their past? Fear? Fearful and dreading the future? Well, you don't love your kids any more than your father loves you. Hmm? And it's because he has loved us so much. That he has sent Jesus and done what it has done what it took to clear us and to clean us. He is the glory and the lifter up of our head. And there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Jesus for doing this for me. Go to 1 John 4, please, if you're holding your place there. 1 John, 4th chapter. Verse 16. It says, 1 John 4, 16, We have known and believed. We've known what? The love. That God has to us. The love he has for us and toward us. We've known it and we've believed it. Now you can hear something and you can find out about it. But that doesn't mean you believe it. And that you've received it. You can hear something. I mean in the service this morning. You could hear something. And you could nod your head and you can think about it. But that doesn't mean you received it. You can just in your heart and mind be thinking, well, that's interesting. I'll have to think about that some more. Well, you haven't accepted it. I'll have to look at that and think about that some more. Well, nothing will happen in your life from God until you believe it, receive it by faith, and act on it. Everybody say, believe it, believe it. receive it, receive it. And, act it. and act on it. That's who gets miracles. Not just people that, you know, come to service, not just people that read scriptures or watch DVDs or things on TV. You, you can see and hear a lot of things and get no benefit from it. You, you must believe it, receive it. And act on it. Faith without works is dead. Saying you believe something and not acting on it, not acting like you believe it, uh, you get the same results as if you didn't believe it. Now he said, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Say it out loud. I have known, I have known and, believed and believed the love, the love God has for me. I know it, I know it and, I it. and I believe it. 
God is love, he went on to say, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, perfect doesn't mean in this passage flawless, it means fully developed. Completely developed. Love casts out fear, displaces fear, because fear has torment. And he that fears is not made perfect, he's not fully developed in love. We love him because he first loved us. Do you believe he loved you before you were born? From the foundation of the world. Do you believe it? Yes. Do you believe he knew you? Yes. Say, well, my parents said I was an accident. That's just their perspective. <laughs> Spirits are not created by accident. They might have thought so, but the Lord knew you before your parents were born. He knew you. He saw you. He knew you'd exist. And he knew the end from the beginning. And he knew whether you'd believe on him or not. And based on that, you've been included in the family of God and the eternal plan. Somebody say glory to God. God. And the thing that makes the difference is that where some do not believe in him, don't even believe God exists, don't even believe in Jesus, don't believe that he's the Savior, they don't believe it. You do. I said you do. And that makes all the difference in the world. I know some, uh, all this, just this past year, I was uh, meditating on some things and, and began to realize, uh, actually I was just thanking God for his goodness to Phyllis and myself, how much good word we'd been able to hear, how many good meetings we'd been able to be in. And, and, and I mean, we have heard thousands of wonderful words from God. I mean on faith and healing and being redeemed and God meeting your needs and who we are in Christ and it goes on and on. And I begin to realize there are people on this planet today that have never heard one good faith message. And that was just boggling to my mind because I know how much our life has changed from what we've heard and and been a part of and to not have heard Good messages. And so I begin to think, well, well, who are we that we've been able to hear this and be in so much of this? And other people have not. I thought, Lord, I know it's just your grace, but why us? That we were, we've been able to be associated with such wonderful word and hear these things. And I pondered it for a day or two, and it just kept coming up to me, and I'm thanking him, but I'm saying, Lord, why us? Why why are we able to be a part of this? And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he spoke to my heart, and he said this to me. He said, I knew you would value it. (laughs) I knew you would value it, and he took me back to when Phyllis and I first got married. Phyllis grew up... uh, Catholic, and I grew up uh, another denomination, mainline, traditional, and we, did, we had not heard some of these things uh, that 
we're talking about today. And we got a hold of some messages on uh, being redeemed from the curse of the law. Man, I hadn't got over it yet. And, uh, and we found out that Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And we found out from Deuteronomy 28 that sickness, poverty, confusion, every other kind of bad thing is part of the curse of the law. And Jesus took it and we've been redeemed from it. And we don't have to have it. Man, we just went off like a rocket. We thought, glory to God. Have you ever heard anything so good in all your life? And so, man, we just, you know, we, we, we've known this for about three weeks. And uh, we've got to share it with our friends. And so we took some of these tapes. And this, of course, this is back before CDs and all that. And we took some tapes to some people and said, oh, man, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. And so we checked back with them in a few days. What do you think? Well, they hadn't had time to listen to it. You think, man, you better take time. Listen to that and, and see them another week. No, they hadn't got around to it yet. And they said, you listen to preaching on tape? I mean, they listen to music, but preaching? I mean, they didn't hardly want to listen to preaching long enough to, for the service to get through. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't be, I mean, uh, listening, buying tapes and listening to the Word was a total foreign concept where, where we grew up. And so finally, I, I, they, they said, yeah, I listened to part of it. I said, part of it? And they said, yeah, I just don't know. that. Some of that sounds strange to me and... I don't know about all that. And the Lord reminded me that we both, they and us, heard the same thing. To them, it was no big deal. They didn't want to take any more time to mess with it. And so, uh, in a lot of cases, they are right where they were spiritually 30, 40 years ago. And God has blessed us and blessed us. And we live a life we never dreamed we could have lived back 30 years ago. And the Lord's helping me to see it's not because he loves us more than them or we're smarter or anything else. We just valued what he told us. And we believed the love. If he said he loved us so much that he redeemed us from all that, then we said, glory, hallelujah. I believe it. While a lot of people, even some church-going people are saying, well, I don't know about that. Now, you just never know what God's going to (laughs) do. He may help you. He may hurt you. He may heal you. He may make you sick. He may... may meet your needs or he might blow your house away with a tornado. You just never... No. So then do they really believe God loves them? Mm, they're, they're not sure. They believe he's real. They're kind of scared of him. <laughs> but do you see what we're talking about? The Lord said to me that thing. He, and, and later on he said this to me too about that. He said, I knew, because I was asking him, Lord, why have we been so privileged to hear so much of your good word? He said, I knew you would value it. And then later he said to me, and I knew you'd do something with it. I knew you'd do something with it. Because a lot of people he gave, he did give some, a little bit of word to them, and they rejected that. So why do they need any more? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. I want to see it. Come on, how about you? I want to hear it. I want to know it. 
It is precious to me. More precious than silver and gold is the revelation of His Holy Word. It is life to those that find it and health and medicine to all their flesh. Glory to God. Oh, I preached myself happy here this morning. God is so good. His Word is a living Word. It's a living Word. Living. Living Word. It quickens you in your spirit, in your mind, in your body, in every area of your life. Do you value and treasure the Word of God? Amen. That was a little weak. I said, do you value and treasure the Word of God? Yeah, yeah, that's better. Good. We have known and we have believed that love. I want us to read a couple of verses before we go further. And don't presume and assume that you already know these things. I'm asking the question, we're going to answer it from the word. How do we know God really loves us? We're saying we know it and believe it. But some folks are not there. And even if you are there, you can be there more. You can be there stronger. How do we know that God loves us? Uh, You're there in 1 John 4. Look in verse 9. 1 John 4, 9, we're asking and answering the question, how do we know, how do we really know God loves us? 1 John 4, 9 says, in this was manifested. Manifested means revealed, shown, made known, was shown the love of God Toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now the scripture tells us that he loved us. Well, maybe we'll look at this in a minute. While we were his enemies. So he didn't love us because of what we were doing for him. He loved us in spite of us ignoring him and being at enmity with him. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God has demonstrated his love for us beyond question. Are y'all with me, saints? He does not need to do one more thing to prove to you that he loves you. He has done it. Are you with me, friends? This is very important. Very important. Because we talked about this last night. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's just an accuser, period. He will accuse you to God. And he will accuse you to me and me to you. And he will accuse God to you. He's a liar. And he's very subtle and he's very crafty. And what he'll try to do 
is subtly weave in to get you to thinking that, well, God should have done this for me. Or why didn't he do that? Or why did he let this happen? Or, or why didn't he do it? And get you into some degree of thinking that God needs to prove to you that he loves you. And if, he can, if the devil can get you in that frame of mind, you're in trouble. I said you're in trouble. Because you are doubting the love of God. And God is love. Doubting the love of God is doubting God. And if you get so presumptuous and so unbelieving as to get into the place where you're thinking, God, you need to show me something. Because I'm just not feeling the love. And you need to show me that you love me. You need to prove to me that you love me. You are not going to get a good response from him. What more does he need to do? There is nothing greater he can give you than what he's already given you. There is nothing more he can do for you and me than what he's already done for you and me. And if we don't value that, then why would he need to cater to us? Can you imagine God following an ignorant, confused human around going, well, what exactly do you want me to do to prove to you that I love you? Ain't happening. Doesn't need to happen. God does not need to do one thing to prove to us that he loves us because he has already done everything. When he gave you Jesus, come on now, when he gave us Jesus, what more can he do? Hallelujah. Roman, hold your place here. Go to Romans 8.32. We're going to be coming back to this passage in Romans. This is a, boy, this is a powerful chapter here. You ever read Romans 8? Romans 8.32, what does it say? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. You, you hear people saying, you tell them that God will bless them. And they, they look at you and go, really? God would help me pay my bills? God would help me get a car? God would help me get a place to live? If God was ever going to withhold and say, no, I'm not going to give you that, it wouldn't have been a car or a house. It would have been Jesus. Come on, are you listening? And if God gave you Jesus, what's a car? Are you all with me? Say, if God gave you Jesus, what's a house? What's a mountain? What's a planet? If God gave, and isn't that what he's saying? If God spared not his, if he was ever going to say, no, that's too much. I love you, but <laughs> you're talking about my only begotten son now. I love you, I, I like you, but no, 
He loved us as far as you can be loved. As much as you can be loved. And he was willing to give us his best. His all. And when he gave us Jesus, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness when he gave us Jesus. Come on, when he gave us Jesus, he gave us forgiveness, deliverance, healing, provision. When he gave you Jesus, he gave you everything. Because everything you'll ever need is in Him and by Him, with Him. If God, read it again. If God spared not His own Son, but what? What did He do? He delivered Him up. Gave Him. This wasn't easy for the Father. It wasn't easy for Jesus. You remember? He cried. Hebrews said he prayed. He sweat blood in the garden. What's going on with the father? The father had to give him up. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's going on with the father when this is going on with him? What's he doing? He is showing you how much he loves you. How much does he love you? The Bible says you are not redeemed by corruptible things. With corruptible things like silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Why? Silver and gold couldn't buy you. But you were redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. The life is in the blood. The master's life is in his blood. He had no heaven, no earthly father. So the life of God the Father is in the blood of the Lamb. What's more valuable than the life of God? There is nothing. There's not enough gold. There's not enough money in the planet, in all the planets, to purchase and equal the value of one human being. Now, it's sad that people uh, living on the earth, you see people pull out a pistol and shoot somebody for $20. They don't see any more value in a human being than that, and that's because of blindness and the devil deceiving people. But from God's perspective, there is nothing more valuable in the universe. And he was willing to pay the highest price that's ever been paid for anything. Did you hear that term? The highest price that has ever been paid for anything, ever, God paid for you. So the next time the devil tries to tell you that you're not worth much. I said the next time the devil tries to tell you that you're not worth much, you ask him, how come God paid so much for you? If you're worth so little. Because God is no fool. How many would agree God is no fool? 
God doesn't pay $5 billion for a $5 item you can get at Walmart. God is smarter than that. Isn't he? How many know God is no fool? He wouldn't pay the greatest price that's ever been paid for anything for something that's worth nothing. And if you're worth that to him, it ought to help you in your own eyes. Said out loud, I am loved by God. I am precious to him. I am the apple of his eye. I am most valuable to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The challenge is him getting people to believe that. That's his challenge. If God spared not his son, but he delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I mean, after giving you Jesus, what's a car? What's a new car? What's a good house? What's some money and stuff? And healing. If he was ever going to withhold anything from you, it would have been Jesus. But when he gave Jesus, you know there's nothing he won't give you. By the act of him giving Jesus, he said it, he demonstrated, he didn't just talk and say, I love you. He showed you. He showed me. He proved it to the whole world, to everybody that would ever live, to angels, humans, and demons for all time. I love these people above all. And I am willing to do anything and pay anything to get them and save them. And he did. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Then you need to settle it in your heart once for all. God does not need to do anything else to prove to me he loves me. He's done it. And I know it. And I believe it. Tell the Father, everybody say it right now, say it out loud. Father, Father I, believe it. I believe it. You don't have to do anything else to prove to me that you love me. I accept what you have done. You have proven beyond question. You have demonstrated beyond measure that you love me. I accept it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift up your hands and thank Him for a moment. Lord, we thank You. Lord, we thank You. 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 Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for proving your love to us. Demonstrating it. Beyond question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you sense, saints, 
that the more you believe in his love, his presence just comes in? Can you? Why? Because the more you believe in his love, the more you open up your life for him to move. If the devil can get you to question him, just be a little bit standoffish in your heart. Well, I don't understand this. I just don't know why that happened. I just don't understand why that didn't happen for so-and-so. And I just don't. That's not innocent. That's not innocent. There's something, there's something bad under that, underlying that and behind that. What you're doing is you're questioning God's love. It is never okay for a believer to go, why God, why? It's okay to ask him a question. Lord, I don't understand that. Show me what I need to see about that. But it is not okay because when you're going, why God, why? There's more than just asking a question. There's an accusation. Where were you? Why didn't you? Why did you? And all that is saying, I don't really believe you love me. Like you said. I don't see it. And friend, that will cut off your life from the grace of God. That will make you cold and lonely. That will leave, why? Because God does not need to prove something special to you beyond what he's already done. If you don't think what he's done is special enough, you got problems. Not him. Look in two places, please. 1 John 3 and Ephesians 2. Let's go to Ephesians 2 first. Ephesians 2 and then 1 John 3. The devil's a liar, isn't he? He will lie to you about God. That's one of his favorite things is lying to people about God. He'd rather you believe that God didn't even exist. But if you're not going to believe that, he'll try to get you to believe that God's not a good God. That you can't trust him. That he doesn't really care about you and love you. That he just created this thing and gave it a spin and you're just like an ant on a mound down there somewhere and what happens to you is random and he probably could care less. Or he's got bigger things in mind and his plan is so much bigger and, and your little feelings and what's going on with you is really trivial and insignificant to him. Well all that's a different way of saying that he really just don't care all that much about you. Maybe humanity as a whole but you you're not a blip on the map, on the radar, but it's a lie. I said it's a lie. It's a lie. God knows and keeps up with the very number of the hairs on your little head. And you don't even care enough to keep up with that. He cares more about you than you care about you. Doesn't he? The Lord says something to me and something to our church back uh, whenever it was a year or so ago. He said, I'm helping you much more than you know. <laughs> I'm helping you much more than you know. Have you walked with the Lord? Any, anybody in here has walked with the Lord for a while? And can you look back and realize, man, he was helping me. I didn't even know how much he was helping me. Well, that's going on right now, too. 
And it'll go on tomorrow. Why? 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 Because he loves me. Ephesians 2. Did you find it? Ephesians 2 and 4. How do we know God loves us? Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, we weren't pretty. He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come. How many of that's that's beyond tomorrow and next year? And next century. In the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Why did he do all this? Why is he going to do all this? Because of his great love. Wherewith he has loved us. You know what your future consists of? Child of God. You will exist a thousand years from now. A million years from now. You will exist. You know it helps you to relax when you realize. I'm going to be around forever. Yeah. Helps you to relax. You go wow I'm going to be around. Yeah, now not down here. You don't want to be down here for a thousand years. But you're going to be around. So what's going to be going on with you and me. A million years from now. Have you learned a lot in the last 10 years. 20 years. Has your life improved with the word of God. Well, what if you kept doing that for a thousand years? Where would you be? How would you think? What kind of person would you be? We have grown and developed in just a handful of years down here on this earth. Well, that's not going to stop. We're just going to keep growing and increasing. And from faith to faith and glory to glory, decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia and you know what God's going to be doing showing off (laughs) where'd you get that right here in this verse right here in this verse he said he's going to in the ages to come verse 7 what's he going to do he's going to show he's going to show show what now when God says it's rich it's rich. When he says it's exceeding rich, it's off the chart. <laughs> the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward, toward us. Not because of what we earned, but because of what he did through Christ Jesus. I mean a thousand years from now. God's going to speak to us. He's going to go, you like this? We're going to go, oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) And he'll say, look at this. Look at this. And he'll go, look at this. And we'll go, ooh. Ah. Wow. And you know what's going to be going on a thousand years past that? He'll say, y'all having fun? Y'all enjoying it? We'll go, oh, God, oh God you're so good. He go, he, go, he go, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And we'll go, ooh. 
God. Wow. That is your future throughout the ages and He will never peak. He will never run out because He's God. There'll never come a time where we'll go, is that it? We've been doing this for 10 million years. And he'll go, yeah, guys, that's all I got. Will never happen. Throughout the ages, eons is what this word, eons. Eon after eon. We will continually see more of his glory. And when you think you couldn't get any better, you couldn't. He'll show you something else and you go, oh, oh, oh. God, you're going to have to help us to take all this. And he said, okay, I'll help you. Here you go. Now you can take more. And you know why he has done this and he has planned this? Why? Help me out. Why? 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 Not just because you needed it. Not just because he didn't have anything else going on. Come on, are you listening to me? Not because he had no other options or alternatives. It's because he knew you. And loved you. He knew you. Before you were born. Go to 1 John. This expands. Expounds exactly what we're talking about right now. 1 John 3. And verse 1. Man I'm glad I came to church this morning. I have already preached myself happy again. 1 John 3. 1 it says behold. What does behold mean? Look, look what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Somebody say, look. Look Look what love. Look what love. What love? The love he has poured out on me. Look how the Father has loved me. And you, look. What are we looking at? That we should be called the sons of God. Now, we don't really know what that means. But we're going to find out. That we should be called the son. You heard some, I've heard people say, well, you know, so-and-so died. And the Lord said, yeah, you know, he needed another angel in the choir. No, no, no. We're not angels. That would be a demotion. For us, we have been made the sons of God. The creator of heaven and earth calls us sons and daughters. And we can call him father. And Jesus is our brother. The one sitting at the right hand of the throne of God calls us brother. Brother. We can come right into the throne room of God and be accepted. We can speak in the throne room. I don't think we have a clue what kind of honor that is to be able to speak. I mean, you can't go speak in the president's office (laughs) or the king's court of this land or that. And yet you can come, not sheepishly, boldly. You can walk right in. To the throne room of the Almighty. 
And you can say, Father, and he'll say, yes, child. We're talking about the one who created the stars. Knows you. Hears you. Will receive you. Why? Why? He loved you before you were born. He saw things in you you hadn't even seen in you yet. The devil's lied to you. Taunted you. Spoke things through children on the playground to you and teenagers saying stupid stuff and and family members and spouses and everything else trying to get you to believe that you're ugly and dumb and nothing and you got nothing to offer. Lies, 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 lies. You are predestined to the glory of the sons of God. You, you are an amazing one of a kind creation of God. He loved you so much that he made you. And even after we lost ourselves through sin and disobedience, he bought back his own creation with the blood of the Lamb. He owns us multiple times over. Somebody say, He loves me. 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 Thank you, Father, for loving me. 1 John 3 1, are you there? What does it say? Look. Look. Look what love. Look what kind of love. Look how much love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called not angels, not servants, not subjects, the sons of God. We are the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not. The world does not know who we are. They see us. They make fun of us. All kind of other stuff. But that's going to stop one day. I said, that's going to stop. That's going to come to an abrupt stop. One of these days. When people realize who we are. When we realize who we are. Let's go on reading. The world knows us not. Let's back up to that, that first verse again. The world knows us not because it knew him not. See, they didn't know him when he came either. He came into his own. And they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. They didn't receive him. And so the same thing's happening with us. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse 2. Beloved, what? Not Having to wait till we get to heaven. Right now, we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. You don't see us for what we fully are right now. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. An amazing thing is going to happen when he comes. The Bible says that we may have boldness even in the day of judgment. How can you have boldness in the day of judgment? Only one way. Love. Because you know how much the one sitting on the throne of judgment loves you. 
That's the only way you could. But when he comes, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go. (sighs) (laughs) You're going to go, wow, we're like you. He's going to say, I told you, I told you, I told you. (laughs) We're going to see him as he is and we're going to realize We are like him. Why? We're in him. He's in us. He's the head. We're the body. We are one. And the father loves us just like he loves him. Is it true? true? Go to Romans 8, please. Oh, the great love wherewith he has loved us. Great love. The Amplified says, see what an incredible, I don't like that word, but I know what they're trying to say, quality of love the Father has given and bestowed. It is amazing, isn't it? It is wonderful. Look what manner of love. Romans 8, are you going there? Romans 8, you begin to see something, well, I'll tell you what, um, Go to Revelation. Hold your place in Romans 8. Go to Revelation 12, and I think we'll get more out of Romans 8 if we'll do it this way. Revelation 12, then Romans 8. Revelation 12 and verse 10. says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength. And the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused them before our God day and night. What does the devil do nonstop? He casts accusations. He is an accuser. Now friend. Let's get a revelation of the tone and spirit of it so we recognize that the devil's crafty. He didn't come to the front door. He didn't come in a red suit with a pitchfork. He's very subtle and deceptive and crafty. But you can learn the sound and tone and spirit of what's him and be on your guard and flags go up when you hear it. The Holy Spirit is not an accuser. He's not a condemner. Who is? Have you ever heard accusations? Casting dispersions and and accusations. and Well, I just don't know why they said that. Why they didn't do that. Or where were they? Or how come this? Do you hear the tone? Do, Do you hear the tone of that? Well, I just think if they really cared about you, they'd be here. Where are they? That is an accusation. Where do those accusations come from? They're not coming from God. Who's inspired? It may be coming out of your friend's mouth. But what's behind it? What's inspiring it? Well, if they really cared for you, they wouldn't do this. If they really cared about, if they really loved you, if your kids really loved you, if your husband really loved you, if your wife really loved you, 
they'd have done this and they'd have done that. And I think that, you know, I think the only reason they're hanging around is because you give them money and because you do this and because and you take care of them. And uh, isn't that exactly the tone of what Satan told God about Job? Isn't that the exact same tone? Well, he just, he just, yeah, yeah, he serves you, yeah, yeah. But I guess so. I mean, you put a hedge about everything he's got. You protected him. You blessed him. You made him one of the richest men in the east. I guess so. But I tell you this, he hit some hard times. He'll curse you to your face. He'll leave you like that. Do you hear that tone? Then learn to recognize it no matter if it's just thoughts coming to your mind or if it's words coming through people's mouth that you work around. Your own loved ones can yield to the wrong spirit. Come on, are you listening? That don't mean that they got a devil and they need a devil cast out of them. You can yield to the Holy Spirit in the morning and yield to the devil in the afternoon. You got a free will. You can yield to whatever thoughts and feelings you choose to yield to. But this is dangerous stuff because it's designed to cause you to question and not believe the love. Well, where is God? You've prayed, 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 prayed. Where is he? Why wouldn't he do this? If this is all true, how did this happen? You prayed your little heart out. You did everything you know to do. Oh, friend. This is dangerous stuff because we all got flesh. And it'll pull on you to feel sorry for yourself. And oh, that's dangerous stuff. Did you know that one of the strongest responses we see out of our master Jesus had to do with this very thing? Jesus began to tell his disciples that he was going to the cross, he was going to be mocked, he's going to be rejected, he's going to be crucified. And Peter took him aside and said, no, no, master, this will not be, no. And the margin of the Greek, if you look it up, it says, pity thyself. And do you remember how Jesus responded to that? Man, he wheeled around, he said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because the Lord knew he could not toy with this. Because he did not deserve to go to the cross. He did not deserve to be crucified, to be scourged. He did not deserve it. And if he gets to thinking about that, he's got to keep his mouth shut on the cross. And see, the devil will come to you and go, now you just did anything that anybody could have been expected to do. You stood as good as anybody could stand. And where is he? You've done this and you've done that and you've worked in the church and and you've uh, prayed your little heart out and you've always been there for him. Friend, this is dangerous stuff. I said, this is dangerous. It's the devil himself. You, You see another example. Anybody remember Ahab? And Jezebel. You hear a lot of people talking about the spirit of Jezebel. We're talking about it right now. It's not what people think. Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. You remember that? 
And he tried to get it. And Naboth said no. No the Lord told me no. I can't sell it to you. So Ahab went home. And pouted. Piled up in the bed. Feeling sorry for himself. Man this is a perfect opportunity for the devil to come in. And here the devil comes. In the form of his wife. Jezebel. She comes, crawls up in the bed with him and goes, baby, what's wrong? I can't get your face out of the pillow. I can't hear you. What, what, baby, what happened? Naboth won't sell me his vineyard. Naboth won't sell you his vineyard? No. Ah. Baby, you the king. You're the king. Uh-huh. I'm the king. You be the king. Naboth won't say you his vineyard. And you offered him a fair price, didn't you? Uh-huh. Fair. Baby, I'll, give me your ring. I'll take care of this. This was the, the nurturing environment that lying and murder and stealing came out of. Well, who is the killer and the thief? The destroyer. Can you see, though, that it didn't start just when they went and started lying on Naboth. It started back here. Baby, what's wrong? Amen. Amen. I've been a good Christian. I know you have. I know you've been a good Christian. I've done everything. You've done everything. You've done everything. That's a lie. You ain't done everything. <laughs> well, I've done everything I know. Yeah, but you don't know much. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's all designed to get you to question God. Question him. Question his fairness. Question his faithfulness. Question his love. And if you do it in any degree, you're in trouble. You are cutting yourself off from the grace of God because you're starting to act like that God owes you something. And God has to prove something to you. And that is arrogance and ignorance. And the proud get resisted. They don't get help. The proud get resisted. The humble get grace. And if you're in trouble and you're having difficult times, what you need, you don't need God resisting you. You need grace. Come on, are you with me now? Because with enough grace, you can receive anything. With enough grace, you can get through anything. With enough grace, you can become and do anything that you need to do because His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. But who gets the grace? Help me out. Who gets the grace? And it ain't humble when you lay in there looking at God sideways and talking about what a good Christian you've been. Where is he? And how come this? God, you got to show me something. He's already showed you something. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The word here means diabolos. Accuser. I mean, that's almost exact word in Spanish. And it means to speak against. Speaking against. 
The devil come and lie to you about your pastors, about your loved ones, about your spouse, about your kids. They don't love you. They don't love you. Because if they loved you, they'd have done this. If they loved you, they'd have gave you this. If they loved you, they wouldn't have done that. If they loved you, it's quiet in here. You don't need to be thinking about other people loving you. You need to be thinking about you loving them. You got a full-time job working on you, loving them. But see, you you get into that frame and into that mode, so you get in this this frame of mind that everybody owes you something. I brought them into the world. I was in labor for 12 hours. Honey, that was a long time ago. You ought to be thankful you had the privilege. I'm serious. They got, if they got fruit in their life and good things come out of it, you're a part of it. You helped them get here. But to act like they owe you, they owe me. If they owe you, you've made it now impossible for them to give you anything. What do you mean? No, I'll take it. No, it can't be a gift. Because you think it's payback. You think it's owed to you. So now no matter what they would do, it's not a gift. It's owed. If you feel like people owe it to you, you've made it impossible for them to be gracious to you. Because if it's owed to you, it's not a gift. It's pay. It's a debt. Are y'all with me? And with God, nothing he gives us is owed to us. None of it is by works. It is all by grace and received with faith. That means it's not owed to you. That means you don't deserve it. I've had people, I don't like that term. Some people sometimes have told us that, you know, well, brother, something good happened for us. They go, well, Brother Keith, you know, y'all work hard. Y'all have done this. Y'all deserve that. I don't like that. And I don't necessarily correct people because it's not time to teach and take it. But in my mind, I go, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't deserve any good thing I got, but I got a lot of good stuff. Amen. I enjoy enjoy a lot of good things. And it's not because I deserve any of it because I didn't. And I don't. It's because God is gracious. He's gracious. He'll give you what you don't deserve. Why? Not because you work so hard. Because He loves you. He loves you. But can you see how the accuser of the brethren works? He comes in and he, he, oh, he's crafty. He's real slick. And he comes in and and through this little way and through this little thought and this little, a feeling will just come to you. And you just feel like you're not appreciated. Amen. You know, I just, people don't know what I do around here. Amen. Amen. You know, it's just, the work's always done and they're used to it and they just don't appreciate me. That's the devil. Amen. That is absolutely the devil. Amen. They just don't. Pre- they don't know what I do. 
Who said they need to know what you do? Amen. <laughs> they just don't know. Nobody knows what I've been through. Oh, break out the guitar. We're going to sing some blues. Nobody. Nobody knows trouble I've seen. <laughs> it's a hard way. It's hard. <laughs> Friend, that is all of the devil. It's of the devil. And when you hear it, when you feel it, flags ought to go off in you and you ought to do just what Jesus did. You ought to wheel around and go get behind me. Say, get behind me. Nobody owes me anything. God's been good to me and I should be thanking God all day and all night. God doesn't have to prove anything to me. They don't either. Why? Because love will love them even if they hate me. That's the love of God. God loved you that way. Can you say thank you, Lord? The accuser, the one who speaks against. Verse 11, they overcame him. Can you overcome this stuff? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives. Can you see this? They didn't focus on themselves. What I need, what I feel, unto the death. Go to, to Romans 8 now. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to get this out. This is, this is part of what we needed to get to. And it, it, the Lord's helping us. It's coming out. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Let me give you some of the best advice you will ever get. Period. Are you ready? Amen. Some of the best advice you will ever get. Here it is. Never, 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 ever, ever, for any reason, for any cause, at any time, no matter when, where, what, how come, never, never, never feel sorry. For yourself. There is no justifiable scenario. As far as God's concerned. Doesn't matter what has happened. Or what didn't happen. There is no excuse. There's forgiveness. But there's no excuse. And there's no justification. For feeling sorry for yourself ever. It is a trick of the devil. Because if you buy into it, you get to yield into those thoughts and those feelings, you will go down, down, down into darkness and depression and confusion and your life will get darker and darker and you'll become bitter and you'll become mean. Are you listening to me? Because you become convinced that you've been treated wrong and you hadn't, people hadn't done for you and... They don't appreciate you and, and you will be deceived. And a lot of people get it. Christians have gotten into this and messed up their families and messed up their jobs and their ministries and just get to where nobody wants to be around you. Say la. <laughs> where you could 
no matter what's going on, you could have come a-bopping in every day with a great big smile on your face because you know and you believe just how much God loves you and that he has already done everything for you and your future is set why should I cry? Why should I be down? Why should? Because no matter what's going on, he always causes me to come out and triumph and gives me the victory. I've had people follow me down the hall after I preach going, I hate you. I don't believe a word. I hate you. I hate you. I turn around and smile and said, you just don't know me. Because if you knew me, you'd like me. I think that made a matter. But I didn't go and get depressed and get upset, get mad, get in a fist fight. Why? Well, I've said stupid stuff myself. Have you ever said anything stupid? That's all they're doing, saying something stupid. And God loves them too. And love covers Come on now, love. When you know how much God loves you and you're full of that love and it's shared abroad in your heart, then with that same love, you're able to love other people with and it just covers the multitude of sins and transgressions and violations. And no matter what's happened or hadn't happened, you're going, yeah, but God's still on the throne. He still loves us. We'll be okay. We're coming out. We're coming out. It'll be okay. Why? Because God loves me. Romans 8. We saw in verse 32 that if God spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? But verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress, a persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? What's the answer? Verse 37. What's the answer? Nay. What's nay mean? No. No to what? No. None of those things will be successful in separating me from the love. Now, this is significant. Is there something going on? Are there attempts and efforts to separate you and me from the love? Why would he be talking about it? He mentions specific things. Obviously, these things endeavor to separate us. Separate means... To play, literally, to place room between. Space. To place room between. Between what? Between us and God's love. The enemy is working to get distance between us and the love of God. To get something in between us. And the love of God. Now here's the thing. Would God ever be responsible. For distance. Between us and him. He told us he would never. Leave us. He would never. 
forsake us. Didn't he say that? So he's not the one. But are there numerous believers throughout the earth that are not close to God? There's something between them. Them and God. There's distance. Remember the Bible talked about Peter following Jesus afar off. Remember that? There was distance. And it was while he was following afar off that he succumbed to temptation and denied the Lord. And said all the stuff that he later regretted. Cried over. It doesn't pay to follow afar off. Does it? You want to be close. You want nothing between you and his love. Let's keep reading. Verse 37. No. These things in and of themselves do not have the power to separate you from God's love for you. And it would have to come back to us allowing it to. Us letting it in. In all these things we are what? More than conquerors. This word here is interesting. You know, uh, you, we hear the word Nike uh, come, uh, talking about, you know, sportswear and every other kind. But it, it, it is from this word here that means victory. Victory or overcoming. And that's where the word conqueror is translated from the word uh, Nike. But it's not just Nike. It's Hooper Nike. Hooper, we get our word hyper from. What are we? We are hyper Nikes. <laughs> if you're a conqueror and a winner, you're a Nike. But we ain't just Nikes. We're hyper Nikes. That's why the English says more than. We're more than winners. We're more than overcomers. More than conquerors. Sit out loud, I am more than a conqueror. Read the rest of the verse. Through him that loved us. Yes, yes, faith is involved and faith is the victory. But faith is operative and active and works by the love. Can you see how, how closely Faith and love are tied together. Why? Because you're not going to totally, confidently trust in somebody that you're not even sure cares about you. That's right. Exactly right. Amen. Which is why the devil goes straight for that. If he can get you guessing and questioning about God really caring about you, he's pulling the rug out from under your faith. Yeah. 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 You got no foundation to stand on. Because your trust in him is not just based on your perfect knowledge of him. Because in our whole life, we'll always just know in part. And there'll always be stuff we don't know. But even though we don't know, we can be sure of this. He loves me. And that means he's got my best interest at heart in mind in every situation. In every time, I can totally trust him that he's looking out for me. And if he leads me to do something, it's not something that's going to hurt me and cost me in the end. It's it's for my good. Come on, can you trust him? 
How can you totally trust him and do stuff that you don't know why you're doing it and do it you got no clue how it's going to turn out? The only way you can do that is if you know the one you're following loves you. You know, you know, you know he would never do anything just to hurt you or take anything away from you. Even if it looks like it, feels like it, you know before it's all said and done. He's taking you to a better place. He's got you. He's lifting you up. He's doing something for you. And you can trust him. And you just hang in there with him. Somebody say, well, I don't know. What's going on? And sometimes you may have to say, I don't know. And I don't understand all this. But I know this. I know this. God loves me. And he's going to get me through this. He's going to take care of me. And before all this is said and done, when the dust clears, I'll be standing here with the victory. With the answer, because God loves me. He loves me. And I know it. And I'm sure of it. I have known and believed the love that he has for me. Verse 38. I am persuaded. That's what we just got through saying. I've known and what? Believed. If you believed it, you were persuaded. I am persuaded. Somebody say, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. You're persuaded of what? This context is the love he started talking about. I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now that that covers a lot of stuff. (laughs) Nor angels, principalities, powers, things that are going on right now. Anything that could come up in the future. Keep reading verse 39. Height. I don't care how high it is. I don't care how deep it is. I don't care if it's a creature I ain't never heard of. None of it has the power and will be able to get me to doubt God. Come on, are you listening? And question his love. Nothing is going to come between me believing in this love and put distance between me and the love of God. I love him. He loves me. I'm staying with him. I'm in life. In death, I'm with him. Amen. Now, if we fail to receive something, if we fail to accomplish something, I heard somebody saying about healing one time, and they said, well, what if I die, uh, you know, trusting God for my healing? Or trying to believe, what if I die trying to believe God? I said, you don't want to die any other way <laughs> than trying to believe God. Because as soon as you get out of your body, who do you think you're going to see? And you're going to want to be able to say that whether you got everything right or you didn't, you get out of the body, you go to be with Jesus, you need to be able to look at him and go, Lord, I was trying to believe everything I knew. And he'll say, I know it, baby, come here, come here, I know. I know you were. (laughs) And I think for the first several years in heaven, we're going to be going, oh, oh, okay, oh, no wonder, oh, okay. A lot of stuff down here just, you know, convoluted. And when we see it in his light, we'll have no questions. We'll go, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, ooh, I should have known that. I should have seen that. You told me that. Anyhow, you don't want to question his love no matter what happens. Let me tell you what will get you through the darkest, hardest places in life. You know, Job made this statement. And he actually said some things that weren't right. And he said some things he had to repent over. But his perseverance is 
remarkable. And the Bible tells us in James we should follow his example because of his patience, and that means perseverance. He just wouldn't quit. I mean, even his own wife came by and said, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, get this over with. He said, no, no. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What does that mean? God, I ain't going nowhere. I don't care what happens in life, in death, understand, don't understand. And this is what will get you. I read the book of Job years ago endeavoring to understand some of it. And, you know, he and his three friends got embroiled in these extensive discussions about why this has happened to him and why bad things happen to people. Some people they do and some people they don't. It's a classic question people are still struggling with today. Why do these things happen? And why do some of these bad things happen to some of these seemingly good people and, and all this? And I, and I looked and thought for all these chapters, well, there the big question in Job is why did this happen? I actually wrote it down in my notes, and I'm studying it, and I'm trying to see what the conclusion is. And I studied it. And, you know, God eventually showed up and spoke personally to Job. I think Job was shocked out of his mind <laughs> because he had said, I wish God would give me an audience. I wish God would let me talk to him. And I don't think in a thousand years he ever imagined that God would actually show up in a whirlwind and go, who wants to talk to me? Here I am. <laughs> I think Job, you're talking about being blown away. I think, actually, at one point, he said, I have spoken once, yea, twice, but I'm putting my hand on my mouth right now because this is beyond me. I... And if you read, see, they debated for chapter after chapter after chapter about why this happens and why that doesn't happen and why these things happen to these people and these things don't happen to these people. Why does it happen? And God said a bunch of amazing things, but... It's uh, noticeable by its absence. He did not answer the question. Why it happened. He did, And that's what they were debating for the, all this time. And God shows up and he doesn't say this is why this happened. He talks about his power. He talks about his justice. He talks about his creation. And he doesn't just say this is why this happened or why this didn't happen. He could have very easily. But he didn't. You know why he didn't? He didn't want to. Amen. He said what he wanted to say. And I saw it. I saw it. It's not about knowing why things happen and why things don't happen. It's what you do when you don't know why. That's the test of faith. Are y'all with me, friends? It's what you do what you believe, why? Because if your faith is not strong and not grounded, you'll start questioning God. And how come this? And why that? And where he? But if your faith, if you really do trust him, if you really do believe in his love, you'll stand up through the tears and through the temptations. And no matter what happened and didn't happen, you'll say, God, I don't know. I don't understand this. And I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this didn't happen. But I know this. I know this. You love me. You, and you are fair. And you are just. And you are, no matter what I see or don't see, you are faithful. You're faithful. You've never failed anybody. And you'll never fail me. I trust you. In life, in death, I trust you. What I know, what I don't know, I trust you. I trust in your love. Friend, that will get you through the darkest places in life. 
That'll get you through anything. And you'll find when you trust him like that, he will help you. He will lift you up. He'll quicken you. And like I said, there's some things we won't know in this, in this lifetime. There's just some questions you won't have answered. And I think a whole lot of them, as soon as you get out of here, you'll go, oh, <laughs> okay. It'll just be so obvious to you. But down here right now, it seems like a big deal. But how many are convinced? The Bible says, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. That no matter what anybody said about him, when it all comes out, when you see it the way it really is, everybody will be able to say, God was fair. God was fair. God was faithful. He was absolutely just and righteous in everything he did, everything he didn't do. He was absolutely perfect in his fairness and justness. How many believe that when we really see it the way it is, we'll go, oh, God, you are more merciful than I would have even asked you to be. You were, you were more gracious. Do you believe this? It is that abiding faith that will get you through anything. Somebody said out loud, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. You are fair. You are perfect. You are completely faithful in everything. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Read it again. Read it again. Romans 8, 35. Go ahead and let yourself be happy about it. Romans 8, 35. Who are the translations talking about? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? What? What's the answer to that? What? Nothing. I'm not going to let anything, anybody, separate me from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, that word means pressure. Will pressure make me doubt God's love? No. Distress. Distress means narrowness. It means things closing in on you. Will that make you question and doubt God's love? No. Persecution. Persecution means being chased, being harassed. Will people harassing you make you doubt God's love? That's too weak. I said, will people harassing you, if people talk bad enough about you and harass you, you're going to start doubting the love of God? No. 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 What can separate you from the love? Famine means scarcity. If things run low, if things got tight, you're going to start questioning God's love and doubting Him? No. Danger, sword. Sword means a battle or a fight. Or even a war. If you have a fight, if there's something going on, you going to doubt God's love? No. no. Verse 37 says, no, nay, no, in all these things we are hyper-Nikes. Hyper. We're not just Nikes. We're hyper. Hyper means to go way on out beyond. Way on out exceedingly beyond. We don't just win. We win and then some. I think about Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen Sr. And you know, he was, uh, you've heard his testimony, most of you, about how that he was born with these incurable conditions. And at age 16, he's bedfast and paralyzed. And best doctors around said he couldn't live. And, and yet, by the power of God, he got a hold of faith and was lived, uh, excuse me, uh, healed and lived and ministered the Word of God for what, 60 some years had a wonderful, amazing testimony and ministry that's affected all of us. Don't you know that the devil wished he'd have picked somebody else <laughs> to bring that on? Why? Because Brother Hagen didn't just win. Amen. That's right. That's right. Did he? No. 
I mean, not dying, living and having a normal life would have been winning. That's right. right. Wouldn't it? Just not dying, being healed and living, that's being a Nike. (laughs) But he wasn't just a Nike. He's a hyper Nike because he didn't just win. He made the devil eat it for 60 years and he's still making the devil eat it with his books and his ministry and everybody that's come up under because he went out and told everybody that the devil was the bad one that made him sick and that God healed him and here's how. And so thousands and millions have learned how to resist the devil. And don't you know the devil's going, man, I, oh, why did I pick him? Why? Why? Because it, it's still costing him. Amen. Every day. Come on now. You can be the same way. You, No matter what the enemy comes against you with, you can say, hey, bud, you picked the wrong one. You, pick, you picked the wrong one because I am not laying down for you. I'm going to stand, and having done all to stand, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to stand, and I'm not just going to win. Uh-uh. No, no. I'm not just going to win. I am going to hyper-Nike you. And I'm going to make you wish for years that you never messed with me. I'm going to hyper Nike your hide. And you know why you will overcome? Why you'll come out? Why you'll be a victor? Why you'll overcome? Why? 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 Nay. Come on, read it. Read it. Verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? How? Through him. That loved us. Go stand up on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands. Let's praise Him. Let's give thanks. Let's give glory. Glory to you, Lord. Glory, glory. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your voices. Thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you for how you have loved us. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your great love wherewith you have loved me. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've paid for us. Thank you for what you ever lived to make intercession for us every day and every night. Thank you. That your love never stops. It never ends. It just keeps on going and going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.